we are recording um, and it is Dia de la Cruz, everybody. So that means Day of the Cross. And here in the Canary Islands, it means if you are living in a town or a borough that has Cruz in the name, you might well be living in a fiesta day. So it'd be Puerto de la Cruz, Santa Cruz. I'm Cleo O'Flynn, um, Janet Ann's Cummins in the Mountain, and we have a guest today, who's Cheryl La Montagne. And Cheryl might be La Montagne. I'm in the Montagne. You're in the Montagne, and I'm <laughs> not. <laughs> I'm in La Montagne. <laughs> but Cheryl, you're here because for weeks and weeks, Janet and I have been talking around the issue of vaccinations and in fact today in El País in the English version there was an article saying that up to 40 non-government organizations are calling on the Spanish government for guidelines over the vaccination of migrants and other collectives without healthcare cards and it's an interesting article we, we can refer to it later but apparently even Amnesty International are calling on the Spanish health ministry it says here to set out binding directives to guarantee that no one without a health card, health card is left without a vaccine. And this was relevant because we believe there are quite a few hundred people here in the Canary Islands who have only ever had private insurance and therefore don't have a health card. So they were worried about getting the vaccine and you have done it. Well, you've, you've, well, you've gone down the path, am I right? Exactly. Yes. What what I did was I got myself onto the Canarian health system. Okay. And there were a few steps that I had to go through in order to do that. Can you explain to us how you did it? Sure. Uh, First thing I did was I found the NHS Business Services Authority uh, and got them to send me what they call a legislation or legislative letter. Basically, it, it says, uh, I'm writing to you from the NHS Business Services Authority about your application for healthcare cover in Spain. I can confirm that based on the information provided, the United Kingdom is not the responsible authority for your healthcare. They sent that letter to me in English and in Spanish. Okay, I had did to you answer. request that it was in two languages? No, I didn't. No, they automatically sent it. I was quite impressed. Uh, and I, I had to answer a few questions to, to ensure that, that I was eligible to have them issue this letter. Uh, if, if I had been on secondment, you know, transferred here by a company or something like that, then I, I wouldn't be eligible. But they were satisfied of my eligibility. I am pre-retirement and they sent me the letter. And you're a British yeah. citizen living with full residency status in Spain. Correct. Yes, that's correct. So the next thing I did was um, I check to make sure that I met the criteria to get onto the Spanish system. I did that at uh, the one-stop problem shop online, um, which fortunately has, has got the links that I needed. The first one was to download the, the form to apply for healthcare. It's an eight-page PDF, but you only have to fill in three pages of it, and it's extremely simple. Your name, your NIE, your address, I'm requesting to go onto the healthcare system. Uh, I submitted that online. Okay, you, you, you previously you would have to go make an appointment and go to Granadilla or someplace to submit the thing. Now it's so convenient, you just submit it online uh, and you get a decision within two days. Wow. Yeah, no complaints about that whatsoever. Um, what I submitted along with it was my TIE, my passport and my empadronamiento as well as a certificate from the, the, the letter from the NHS. Uh, and after two days, I received an email back 
which had the document authorizing me to get onto the system. And I took that document along with my TIE, my passport and my empadronamiento to the local health center uh, where I was registered. Fabulous, and it, it you, was, didn't need, you didn't need a digital certificate to do this. On no, there's no digital signature. No, no. The, the one thing that people should be aware of is that you can attach a maximum of five files to your application. Um, and what I did is I, I had my TIE in one file, my passport was another file, my NHS letters was another file. When I subsequently went to get my husband registered as my dependent, that's when I found out about the five file limit because I had all of his files done separately. So as I said, I got myself registered, got my card, then made the application for my husband. The day, uh, later in the day after I had submitted the application, they said, oh, you forgot to sign the form, which I had and I hadn't rescanned it. Uh, and um, they also wanted all my documents again. So I put all of the documents into the email that I, I replied, apologizing profusely. Uh, <laughs> and. <laughs> That was sent to them at 20 past six on, on a Monday night and at 1038 the following morning, I had the form authorizing him to get onto the Canarian health system. That's great. That is impressive. I, I was, that yes, I was beyond impressive. impressed, I have to say. Uh, so we went down to the surgery with his document, his TIE, his passport, and his apadronamiento, where a lovely man registered him onto the system. He happens to fall into the age group where you can call 012 to get an appointment for the vaccine. Um, when I phoned on uh, uh, this weekend, um, it, they could see him in the system, but they hadn't released any new appointments. And this morning, the line's been busy, but I'll keep trying and we will get him on his way to a vaccine. I was told I'm on the list for El Mojón and they'll call me. Okay. And what borough are you living in, Cheryl? Guia de Isora. So you're in Guia de Isora, okay. Mm -hmm. By the way, can I just drop something in? Because we've been talking about digital certs as well, Janet, in terms of with a DEHE, for instance, if you don't have your TIE, you only have the green paper. Just a little thing to add in. I was talking to our great friend, uh, Deepika, who works for Age in Spain, and she pointed out that anyone who needs digital certification can do it through the Cabildo offices. And there's a Cabildo office in Los Cristianos. So if, if for some reason, this is just an aside in a sense, but if, if you do need a digital cert for anything, the Cabildo office in the South Tenerife should be able to help you if your local Ayuntamiento town hall office won't. But anyway, back, back to you, Cheryl. So once you had that letter from the NIH, the NIH in the UK. And it's at NHS, it's the NHS, the Business NHS Services the Authority, yeah. Then things kind of rolled on fairly, fairly smoothly. Absolutely smoothly. Yes, I, I, as I say, it was easy to submit. Uh, the decision on mine was made within 48 hours and on my husband's within you know, overnight. Uh, and and it, it was marvelous. And this is, is really in stark contrast to when I had gone to see if we could get on the list at the surgery to get a vaccine and the lady told me to phone 012. So I phoned 012 about something else and inquired about uh, getting getting a vaccine and they told me to go to the surgery so i could have bounced <laughs> back and forth between the surgery and 012 <clears throat> to, to no avail and, and this is what's actually frustrating what? quite a few people that i've spoken to out there is because they're getting everybody's pointing them in different directions and nobody's doing anything to help and the government ha has not announced any kind of a plan okay janice that one of my readers calls it 
um, ping pong, where you are, you know, like people playing table tennis, where the ball's going over you, your center, the health center, they send you to one, two, back and forth. Those, those who aren't in the system, they are, I mean, this, this is a universal healthcare system now. It's replaced the old system where you had to be in the country before 2012. You had to have less than a thousand a year. I mean, most people would qualify under that, um, those criteria in any case, but now it is a universal healthcare system, which as long as you are legally resident here and have no entitlement to healthcare elsewhere, you can do exactly what Cheryl has done and you can okay. get in the system. Having said that, it, it isn't a watertight system. I have known people be rejected. It is possible that they just haven't supplied paperwork. Those who can't, though, get on it, perhaps because they do have entitlement elsewhere, still have private medical insurance with companies that the Spanish government has told to speak to their clients to see who wants the vaccine. I now know of one insurance company. I can't give the name of it because I don't have permission. And it is not going to be one of the names that instantly jumps into your head. I can say that much. One company has now written to its clients asking them if they want the vaccine because they have been asked to contact their clients and submit names of those clients who want the vaccine to the health authorities so they can be given the vaccine. So this shows that Spain is doing something. At least one insurance company is doing something. Okay. So the problem appears to be in some regional governments, because some regional governments like Valencia, they've got this sorted. Yeah, yeah. So there is an element of it's a regional government, but it is also the other insurance companies mm. because one is doing it properly. The big ones, though, are not. So I mean, there are two people still have to do something. And I've said it, and I know I'm not the only one. It has to be someone who is directly and personally affected who takes action, whatever that action might be. There are various options a petition to the health service, legal action against the Canarian government or an insurance company, class action. Um, there are various ways of pushing this forward and of course is currently working on getting people in the, getting answers from the Canaries as to what people here are supposed to do if they're in that situation. But if someone is going to do something, it's all very well complaining about it on social media and writing and all very interesting and we are glad to know about it and we are doing what we can to help. But it has to be someone who is prepared to do something as yeah. well as just complain. Now what Cheryl has done is actually gone and got herself in the system. Mm -hmm. But if I, you I can't this, do that, then you have to do something. There's a key sentence there, Janet, and you mentioned it and Cheryl mentioned it. Um, and it, it's something that people maybe are overlooking is that they need to prove they are not entitled to healthcare in another country because, and I think that yeah. is, is kind of overlooked in the arguments, especially for people who yeah. may not be fully all the time resident here, but they feel that they might live here for seven months a year. But if they're still registered with the NHS back in the UK, obviously that is what the, that would be considered their national healthcare provider. I'm assuming. I agree. And I would just say that I was reading only this morning. People are playing politics. Australia is being accused of racism, for example, for saying no from India right now. And the Australians are defending themselves. Scott Morrison this morning was saying 
this isn't a case of being racist against Indians. We're not talking about politics here. We're not race. We're talking about a virus. Yeah. And politics and legalities can't come into this. Now, I would say that if there are people here, and we all know there are lots of people here who are not read in any system, they've been under the radar, and they are therefore unable to get a legislation letter from the UK because technically they still reside in the UK mm. because they're not legally resident here. Therefore, they do have entitlement to the NHS, therefore they can't get a legislation. Exactly. This is, not the, this is not the time, in my opinion, to be saying, well, you should have got registered. Why aren't you legal? You've got to go back to the UK. This is in all our interest. Everybody is vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Politics, legalities, it's all got to go out the window here. Yeah. You should be well, able to rock up at a, at a hospital and say, please give me a vaccine. We, we know that's no, not going to happen. It benefits the world. It, it's not going to happen, but it should. And I mean, then we're going to have the big issue soon, coming up soon, uh, about compatibility or incompatibility of digital certificates between the UK and the European Union. And I mean, with that, and that's another whole messy ball game that we don't even know the rules for. And in travel, which may or may not happen yet anyway. Yeah. But Cheryl, um, you are a shining <laughs> example. You, you you chatted the chat, you went online, you were on Facebook, but what you did was you just decided to go and do it. Well, it, yeah. it's important that we get vaccinated. We're not gonna get past this virus until people are vaccinated. And, um, you know, fortunately I, I'm in the position where I could get the legislation letter and get us onto the system. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there are an awful lot of people out there who don't have that capability and they still need vaccines too. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Well, I, I mean, I think you've given people a line, a, a, a line of action, and I think that's very important. Is that is written down somewhere? I mean, you mentioned the one-stop shop, which is Diane McGowan's, so people yes. can always go to her page for for advice. They can get yes for advice for the forms for the links to be able to submit documents, and Janet's got a write-up on her site. Um, about the steps to go through to get onto the Canary and health system as well. Brilliant. Okay, Cheryl, you're a shining example. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. You're very welcome. Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl is welcome to stay, but I think she has dogs to walk, am I right? <laughs> because I Janet and I, we're going to just run through a couple of other things that are, I suppose, in the headlines today. Cheryl, have a lovely day. Thank you so much. Thank you, you too. Okay. Bye, Cheryl. Thank you. Uh, bye. bye. Um, Janet, the one that has just been in the headlines of all the Spanish paper, of the local Spanish press for the last couple of days, is this desperately sad story about two missing children and their father. Um, I mean, without mentioning names, well, the father's name is in the press, um, but it, it's one of those, sorry, I'm just looking it up here, it's one of those really sad stories that every now and then just kind of pulls people apart or pulls them together. A uh, father last yeah. Tuesday took his one-year-old and his six-year-old on a scheduled visit, perhaps, and never returned home and has taken uh, you right, know, over 60,000 from his bank account. But then there was a small motorboat found with a child's seat floating nearby and traces of blood. But there has been no news of the family since. And it is really the headline story in, in all the Canary Island newspapers at the moment. It is. It's six days now. And... It is unimaginable. You, I mean, you just can't imagine it. Can 
you know, the children are picked up at five. They are supposed to be back by about nine o'clock in the evening. And two little girls, one and six years of age. And then they don't appear back. And then the mother gets a letter saying, you'll never see them or me again. Or gets a communication. I don't know what the a, a message, I think, yeah. Um, yeah. And what is striking me, though, and, and making me sort of hopeful, because it's very easy to be desperate about a situation like this, not one person seems to have come up with any real negative stuff about this guy. True. <clears throat> Everybody True. has said they cannot envisage him harming his children. And she herself, the mother, yesterday was, of course, Dia de, de la Madre. It, it was Mother's Day in Spain. It was, it was. She, she gave a public statement um, to the media saying that she was sure she was sending them light and love on Dia del Madre, um, and that she was sure they were safe and well and warm and being looked after, and yeah. she couldn't wait to see them again. Okay, There's lots of theories. I mean, you know, there are lots of indications though that no one thinks this guy is really going to harm no. his daughter. They, so did, they did detect movement in his bank accounts the day after he took them. Lots of money. Uh, over 50,000. And I mean, yeah. one of the theories seems to be that he might have arranged for a larger boat to to pick them up. Yes. Um, because, you know, this was a little power boat that he had, which couldn't have gone very far. But if he was arranging to meet a yacht, they could have they could be in the Spanish Peninsula by now. Exactly that. And I mean, we are talking now six days that this investigation has been going on. It's a lot of time and he had a lot of money with him by all accounts yeah. to, to get to somewhere different. And the boat, the little boat, after it left, it was seen on camera leaving Santa Cruz Harbour. Mm -hmm. It was found off the coast of Guimar, Portillo de Guimar, and it didn't have an anchor, which to me rather suggests that, you know, it was intended to drift and give an impression that some and the child's seat, the car seat, for example, in the water, bits of blood in the boat. It, it's not difficult to think that's a false trail Setup. that's being led, you know, particularly since all these stories have come up since that nobody can imagine this guy hurting these girls. It is, of course, every parent's nightmare. Yes. You know, no matter yes. how old your children are, it it's kind of primeval. It just makes you... It, kind you of... can't, it's unimaginable. Yeah, you know, yeah. Whatever, one can only hope that the two kids are safe. Absolutely, and however positive the mother's message yesterday, she must be in a desperate situation. And unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, we we, we wish her all the best and we hope, uh, and hope these, that they are at least, I mean, can he be so heartless that he couldn't even just let the mother know from an anonymous place that they are well and safe? Hopefully that that exactly. would be news that could come through this week. Exactly. Let's hope. All right. Um, let us move on because we're kind of galloping through local stories this week because there are quite a few. And one that is, I suppose, hopeful for the near future is that Loro Parque reopened this weekend. Now, it seems to, it had a kind of a VIP opening um, at the weekend, but there were apparently 2000 people in there yesterday. And that yeah. is, I mean, anybody who's only new to the Isle of Loro Park is a huge kind of ecological park in Puerto de la Cruz. Um, and it has a sister park here in the south. There's still no news on Siam Park opening. Um, but Loro Park, from, from what I read today, they're going to be open to the public from today. 
they will open from Thursday through to Monday for the general public and Tuesdays and Wednesdays for cruise ships. So that's the plan. And they will be observing social distance and masks and, you know, in all because they have quite a few stadium or what would you call it? Theatres, arenas where they have parrot shows and dolphin shows. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And there will be kind of um, separated seating and stuff like that there. But it, that's a good news sign, isn't it? I think it's wonderful. And I mean, they do so much good. And OK, there are some quibbles about the the water side of the park. But in, in terms of environmental work globally, they, they do an amazing amount of good. And certainly with birds, they, they provide a wonderful environment for them there. And, and they have saved some species in the bird exactly. kingdom. Well, they, they brought some back from extinction mm -hmm. it, or on the verge of extinction. In, anyway. Indeed done a marvellous job it's, it's encouraging just to see things reopening isn't it How, however slowly it's happening and okay Cyan Park is still not open but Laurel Park is and exactly. you know it's baby steps isn't it Towards yeah and I, I think I might have heard that Agualand is is planning its reopening soon yes I, I heard that yeah I, heard that. I mean I don't have yeah. dates or anything and yeah. I mean talking just generally to people here in like friends and uh, who work in the tourism industry and in the the service industry they're kind of bracing themselves for a return to work and I mean they're saying it's going to be like the 80s it's going to be like the 90s it's going to be boom 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 once the doors are open that's a hopeful uh, an expression of hope I think um, I think it will, I think external forces will mean it'll be slightly slower. And I'll be curious to so. see how it, how it all works I out. So. I, I, th I honestly think that we, we can't tell yet what, what is going to happen. I mean, we are supposedly now coming through the fourth wave in Spain. The UK is now saying it is at the bottom of having come out of the second wave, India, as we all know, is in the most appalling state. So, so this is an, this is not a cohesive picture globally, and no. I, I think starting to talk about international travel is it, it's still far too early mm. for me to, to think about it because the picture is too broken up. But certainly, it seems the UK is looking at reopening its borders. But whether Spain is going to open its doors for people to come back in is another matter yeah. and as we all know from last time when you are traveling you need to know what the rules are about leaving your own country and arriving in, in exactly another. <laughs> i mean in so, ireland i was listening just it's something <clears throat> i would obviously keep an eye on because i'm hoping i might get to see my family of course in august of course. but the word there at the moment there's some opening up this week but they're saying they are looking at international travel out of ireland uh, late July, August. So that's a very long-term plan. That's, it is, not, it really that's is. not June, July. Yeah. And obviously, I, I, one assumes that that is kind of, if they're letting people leave, they will also start to let people come in again. Um, I mean, at the moment, there's some very strict quarantine rules in Ireland for certain countries, for a lot of countries. Um, and uh, again, a lot be Ireland being a member of the EU, a lot that will also have to depend on how this green certificate uh, yes. might already have been evolved. I mean, it's been passed by Parliament, but as we said last week, that doesn't mean that it is now up and running by any means. But they have a lot of work still to do to make a cohesive system. They've, they've agreed the system will happen, but how it'll happen and when are still unresolved. And of course, at the moment, we are six days away from the end of the Estado de Alarma in Spain. Yeah. 
and no one yet knows. I mean, I'm sure people will remember from last year the trouble the Prime Minister of Spain, Pedro Sanchez, had in, in getting the state of emergency renewed because, of course, he had to get political agreement. And as in the UK, where some of the more um, libertarian conservative MPs might not want lockdown, so here he had to struggle to get a state of emergency reapproved by Parliament because there were certain libertarian elements in Parliament that actually wanted everything thrown open and take it on yeah. the chin, as Boris Johnson said in the UK. And so he had a hell of a job getting um, this state of emergency extended to the 9th of May. There is, to my mind, virtually no chance that it will be extended no, again. And in fact, they are already that. talking about measures. And I suppose we are looking now at the next interterritorial health Council, which is the health department, Sanchez himself, and all the regional mm. um, health departments from around Spain, they have to decide what is the framework for the new normality that will be in place once the state of emergency is lifted next Saturday. That's how close we are to knowing what the new rules will be. Tomorrow, the level three for Tenerife is being reviewed. And so this is all beginning to, to happen now. Yeah, I mean, you know, Torres is saying today it's reported that we could well be going to level two tomorrow. As exactly, Grand so Canaria tomorrow we could Thursday. be level two. Exactly. But, but a word of warning to people, because a couple of people I've seen it on Facebook are saying the state of alarm ends on the 9th of May, thinking that things will change radically. And you have to say, well, actually, since last year, since kind of the second half of last year, most of the restrictions that we currently exist under have been in the control of the regional government. That's right. So, I mean, as I don't see that there's going to be any huge change between the 9th and the 10th of May. It's not like suddenly we're free. Because Absolutely it's not. And as I was that just... have been keeping us in line. Exactly. And as I was just saying, there is a council, an interterritorial health council, which meets to decide measures that will be in place around the country. And of course, each regional government will be able to impose extra restrictions. I, I imagine that the measures that will be put in place from next Saturday won't be that much different. I agree with you completely. Mm. They won't be that much difference at all to what we've got now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we don't yet know. And the biggest question, I suppose, for people listening who are outside of Spain at the moment is what will the rules be? in regard to travel when the UK, for example, allows people to leave. We don't know yet. No, it's no. Too and, and it's too I mean, I, you listen over, well, if you're like me, you listen to radio from different countries a lot. Um, the UK are talking about, you know, bookings are up and people are already rushing to, and you think, well, hang on a sec, guys, because too like soon. you said, Janet, the, there are two sets of rules that need to be taken into consideration here. The, the rules to leave one country, but the rules to get into and stay in another. And I thought people learned that when they ended up coming here because the UK let them out only to be turned back because Spain wouldn't let them in. That, that happened within, you know, it's not just living memory, that happened within the last month. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely gobsmacked that people are still saying, oh, good, the UK will let us out. And, and yeah, I mean, there were screaming headlines about being deported back to the UK when they weren't being deported, they were just they being sent back. 
just not allowed in because you know you have to be allowed in as well as allowed out of your own country yeah. like i say this isn't living memory this is just last month <laughs> so <laughs> people get a get a grip on this and, and, and just wait wait at least a week <laughs> so but tomorrow we, we will at least know about level two and level two will mean for us residents for us people who are in tenerife a slight lifting of restrictions i think there will still be a curfew um, because the curfews seem to be managed regardless of the levels we're at. But it will mean that I, more, so. I mean, I don't have the rules in front of me right now, but that there will be probably greater groupings will be able to meet from maybe three households, six, six people. Yeah. Six people. Um, and, you know, that's restaurants, you probably will be able to eat indoors again. To a limited capacity, yes. six people yes. in a group, probably um, curfew of 11, maybe with deliveries from midnight but every time they change the level they they also consider the criteria that apply to that level so it's it's not just a case of going into a different level the rules for that different level might actually be different as exactly, well exactly. at that point so all we can do and i know it's frustrating for people but all we can do is say to people we will report this when it's decided and there is confirmed information to report and until then nobody can know all we can do is guess and and that's worse than useless. And what I do say to people, um, I mean, again, because I'm in touch with home regularly, they're looking at, you know, in Ireland and the UK in the last two weeks, they finally had shops open again and finally been able to meet in bar. We've been doing that for months legally. Yes. So yes. every now and then, you know, it's no harm to kind of say, do you know, we're not that badly off here. No, we are very well off here. And I think... For all people like to criticise, I think the Spanish government has done quite a really quite a good job, and, and the Canarian government, the regions as well. Maybe Madrid not so much, but yeah. uh, um, there are one or two regions around Spain, I suppose, where you could say, well, you might have done that a bit differently. But I think and there are glitches in everything, you know, in restrictions absolutely. or vaccine rollouts or healthcare, but that's inevitable. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think the only real quibble that people have got with the Canaries is this issue that we started with, where there are perhaps a disproportionately large number of people with private healthcare yeah. who, who want the vaccine and who are here. And it benefits us all mm, to have absolutely, the vaccine. Now, absolutely. I don't think anybody right now should be concerned with, are you legally resident? How long have you been here? Are you here over your 90 days? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Give people the vaccination. But, you know, but let it also be a spur to anybody who is legally resident here to just sign up on the local as a local health patient anyway. It doesn't mean that yeah, you have a limit to be a public what, health doctor, but it means that you're absolutely. registered. There's a limit to what anybody can do for someone else. And we, do, we all do our bit to help people. But in some situations, it does require people to say, hello, this is me. I have a problem and this is what I'm doing about it, just like Cheryl has done. Absolutely. And well done. And, and well done her and other people yeah. have to do it we can't do it for them no no and i mean cheryl, cheryl is like the rest of us we're anybody who is non-spanish and is living here we all have to learn and sometimes we gripe and sometimes the way i mean i was doing the bachelorato form for my daughter recently and i had to upload file documents and it wouldn't accept pdfs would only accept jpgs and then I realized that because my name has an apostrophe in the surname that wasn't being recognized by the computer system and you kind of go, Ugh! 
Spain. Yes. And then you think, no, it's not Spain. It's just me having to adopt. So it takes a deep breath and you start again. Exactly. It's having to do things you really don't want to do and don't want to think about. And let's be honest, how many of us actually want to think about COVID and vaccinations and restrictions and, and Brexit and, and not Brexit? And, you know, don't want to think about this crap. But there are times when we have no choice. And yeah. I'm afraid this is one of them. Yeah. It's, and it's basically it's just about getting on with it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Janet, I'm going to go and get on with it. And you get on <laughs> with it today. And uh, we will talk next week. And next week, we will know all about our tier and what state of emergency or post state of emergency Spain is in. And we will know what's happened in the Madrid elections. Indeed. Which and are we will tomorrow. also, for, for those Brits who are interested, we'll have a better idea of what's happening in the so-called red wall seats. This is true because yes. the, we have the regional and local elections uh, in a large part of the United Kingdom this week. Exactly so. So it, it's politically and um, constitutionally, it's, it's a really quite an interesting week. And, and we might also have a new over, leader for the Democratic Unionist Party. And today is also marking 100 years of, of uh, the Northern Ireland, the creation Northern of Ireland. Northern Ireland. So that's another whole exactly. kettle of fish. Well, that's a whole new cross, isn't it? A cross to bear. Uh, a red cross, a blue cross, a green cross, who knows? Yep. A, a real fiesta de la cruz. Oh, indeed. <laughs> well, we've come full circle. Well done, Janet. Well done. So happy elections to everybody. Feliz Dia de la Cruz. Feliz Dia de la Cruz. And I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>